trust your instincts. Follow your heart. Don't think. Just do. Three examples off the top of my head of something that I'm considering as a as a representation of the pattern of my my often behavior and as a characterization of perhaps um, a common behavior in the spectra of ADHD. Shallow evaluation. So this is a, in, in terms of artificial intelligence, I would have been studying some of this. It's been yeah, not quite 20 years ago. Yikes. But there were problems of, of computation that we faced a lot, um, especially back then. And, you know, not to tangent from this tangent, but I'm going to anyway. Um, they were limitations that we had to work with. Uh, throughout all the evolution of computers and, and largely throughout the evolution of just about everything on the planet, um, both in biological terms and in sort of uh, socio-technological terms, we've always had limitations. And limitations are really good at generating new ideas. Um, necessity is the mother of invention, if we want to just pull more aphorisms out of my aff. Um and when I was in computer science, while computers had gone quite a ways at that point, we didn't have the level of com computation we have now. We did not have – well, we had some things like like um, mesh networks of computing. We had, um, you know, coprocessors certainly, but, you know, parallel processing was there. In my undergrad – yeah, I think it was in my undergrad – I actually had a project that I was trying to do for extra effort, extra effort, extra grade. It was extra effort, an extra grade, which was, a, I think, over a summer course, um, working with, I don't even know if it was a grad student at the time. Anyway, we were supposed to work on parallel Fortran, but we had no manual, so we had no idea what to do and no examples, so it did not go far. I, somehow we managed to pass time, and I don't remember how that happened. And at the end, we just said, we've got nothing to report because we didn't have a manual. So we just fucked around for a while. Pardon the language. Anyway, those limitations of memory, for example, going back to the Commodore 64 and its 64K of RAM, introduced some incredibly um, interesting solutions to, to problems. It also meant that sometimes you used side effects to create solutions. But one of the problems that occurred um, was... This data set is too big to process entirely. Um, or you would accept that it was large and that the, tra the translation from input of data to output of conclusion or suggestion of next steps would be a day away. Um, I had built a system for the PhD I was working on. I think it was, I think it was my PhD. It might have been my, my, um, my, my master's actually. In fact, I think it was my master's. Swami, searching the web with agents having both mobility and intelligence. That was my my contribution to the world. But it was a cluster of of agent programs that all that they were all part of the analysis following over the shoulder of someone doing web browsing. 
And the idea is that the agents would specialize based on what they detected in the browsing. Um, and as they became more, more responsible for a corpus of what was being browsed, they would essentially become more powerful and could, could start to make recommendations. The problem with this is the amount of time it would take to process a page and produce a recommendation, you'd be far away from that page, or more likely, the browsing would be just extraordinarily slow. So, you know, I had problems to overcome. Those ones I didn't overcome. I just scaled, I scaled back the problem <laughs> until I found something computable. But I do wonder about the, the accessibility of um, technology. On the one side, it enables you to tackle larger problems without having to optimize your code because you've got plenty of cycles to waste. It's not, it's not a problem. You can burn thousands and millions of cycles on this because each cycle only takes, you know, less than a, a picosecond. Um, so I do wonder about whether we have enough constraints to produce the thing or if in fact this this cycle of constraint and release is what invention really thrives on, um, for a long time you are frustrated by the constraints. You find clever solutions to work around them, but you imagine what would happen if I didn't have these constraints. And then when the constraints are removed, you can suddenly do so much more. But Part of one of the solutions to having a large data set that you couldn't process, but you needed a more real time answer was something like shallow evaluation, which is where you're taking a quicker method to evaluate the input and producing a quicker solution that might not be as accurate. Um, I've talked before, not that this is a series, <laughs> but I've talked before about suboptimal uh, maxima or suboptimal minima, depending on what you're trying to go after. Which essentially is where, based on the, the landscape of opportunity that you have, you can examine the narrow area around you and determine whether there's a better or a promising solution nearby that's, that's better than the one you're at now, despite the fact that around you might be a valley. Around you might be uh, all kinds of worse solutions. And things like simulated annealing, which is funny because that's a term that comes from metallurgy, but it's essentially the, the amount of rocking and shaking you do to move off of your local maxima, your, your, your peak of your hill in the local area to try to find if there's a better hill nearby. Kind of like a large earthquake in some ways is the way I always visualized it. But shallow evaluation is where you might take only a few features that you see as somehow key and use those to make your decision. We've seen where this has failed. Um, essentially, where it has failed because um, over importance was placed on certain features. There was a, a study that was done not too long ago on a machine learning algorithm to learn um, uh, malignant versus non-malignant tumors. And in the case of the malignant tumors, the majority of those images came from diagnosis uh, manuals or diagnosis um, cases. And part of what they're evaluating is the size of the mole. So they naturally would have a ruler next to the mole. But in the cases where it's not malignant, 
They knew it was not malignant. They had classified it already. So it was a, a, an image that didn't need the size marker anymore. And so the AI fixated on the notion of rulers are bad so that when you see a ruler, it means it's malignant. Obviously, that's a useless case because you're trying to train it on, on uh, tumors which have been, you know, you're trying to train it on, on known data but present it with unknown data. And so none of the known data would have rulers and therefore would not be <laughs> would not be suspicious. It's it's it breaks down a little bit because obviously most of the time you're going to measure the size of the size of these things to determine if they are malignant. Um so it's not a, a clear case that the conclusion they reached was actually right. Um it could be, but it was right enough that it made this shallow evaluation without having to consider other other features, maybe even more subtle features, which is usually the case. And we see this all the time. Uh, shallow evaluation is the reason that magic tricks work most of the time. We make a judgment call that because we have limited data and we need to make a decision or we think we need to make a decision right away, um, we, don't, uh, we don't see the evidence contrary. Essentially, uh, uh, suggested claims, suggested um, um, conclusions. So, how does this apply to the way I'm, the pattern of thinking, and potentially the pattern of ADHD? Well, um, the one of the common notions that I, that seems to be out there. Again, I'm making a shallow evaluation based on this evidence and drawing some conclusions, but um, uh, an examination of browser patterns. Um, do you open up multiple tabs um, and multiples of multiple tabs? I will open up multiple windows. Each window has 10 to 20 tabs in it. it. Happens all the time. My browsers kill my computers. And I started to realize that that's a shallow evaluation technique. Um, I was just doing this a moment ago, which is why I came to mind. I was looking at drive-through RPGs GM Day Sale, which lasts a week because one day is not long enough uh, on the internet to do anything useful or to get enough attention. And what I was doing is I was going through the list of potential uh, things that were on sale, and it's a shallow list. In other words, it doesn't, the list itself doesn't, I don't want to overuse the word shallow here, but each list item is an abbreviation of the description, so you've got very little data to go with. And yet what I'm doing is I'm sending the ones I might be interested in to different tabs. I'm making a shallow evaluation on it, and then hoping that I will be able to get back to the more deep evaluation of all of those individuals, which is usually the case. Now, what happens in something like a, a, the drive through RPG GM's Day Sale, there are thousands of things on sale. I have no real good way to segment all of that, aside potentially from looking at keywords, but I'm at, the, I'm at that pre-stage where I'm not really sure what I'm interested in. I'm just interested in new stuff that's on sale. So I can't slice and dice that that into appropriate spaces. The only slicing and dicing is the one that's already been done for me, which is the pagination. I can only see, say, 50 at a time. And so that's a linear pagination. There is some sorting to it. It is sorted by, in this case, popularity. So there's an assumption that I am I am part of the common crowd of all GMs and players interested in this material, which is not probably all that fair. I'd rather be sorted with a cohort than, than with everybody. Um, they were all liking the same things. So another case of shallow. So sorry to finish that. To finish that, um, 
the hope is I'll be able to return to those other tabs and spend more time doing a deep evaluation before I choose to buy. I do the same thing with music. When I find a, a, a label or a band that I like, I will I will look across their entire collection or look laterally, but I will do it in a shallow evaluation first. And then the in-depth one in that case is listening to each of those albums. If I'm, for example, listening to one band camp or listening to all the samples, if I'm doing it from eMusic or other services. That's extraordinarily time-consuming. So I'm not going to have time to do a deep evaluation of all the things that I might be interested in. This occurred to me recently because I'm also um, doing uh, a pretty significant physical shift of the space at a radio station. And in order to do this, I know that I can't do all of it at once. It has to be staged. Multiple people are going to, are involved. This is coming. It's already been going on for quite some time. But multiple people are involved um, at different stages. We have other external pressures which are causing timelines to be shortened or causing deadlines to be introduced. Everything from this room needs to be emptied because the painters are coming in to I've, I've got an opportunity to get a truck to carry a bunch of the stuff away, but the truck's coming two days earlier than I originally planned. All those sorts of external pressures. But the way I approached the problem was not to try to figure out everything at once. I recognized right away that there was too much detail. And I've been trying to tell people to not get carried away in detail yet. But rather, it's and I'm now finding a way to describe this, rather do shallow evaluations that may be wrong, but it gives you, in, in the case of, of a lot of the paperwork, it gives you sh- smaller piles to go back to later. And you, you are hoping that your shallow evaluation is accurate enough that the deeper evaluation can proceed faster, that it is, that it is accurate enough that you can make some high level decisions about some things. And even then not having the chance to do a deeper evaluation later, it is sufficiently correct to throw away this set of things or to keep this other set of things. I've been using a criteria system modified from what I had heard from, I don't know, it was Marie Kondo or something like that before. Three piles, absolute keep, absolute toss, reevaluate. Now, in reality, all three are reevaluated. It is likely keep, likely toss, and must reevaluate. The must reevaluate ones, by the way, are the ones that need the deepest evaluations. The other two piles are expected to go through another series, essentially, of shallow evaluations, but with a, but a little less shallow. So I still don't have to read every single word. I still don't have to examine every single piece of paper. I don't have to consider every particular piece of device. I just have to create another set of shallow criteria to break down the problem. Now, this fits within computer science as well. Um, Divide and conquer is not just a term for the military. It's very much a, a standard uh, um, uh, search technique, the binary search technique, where you divide everything in two. Therefore, if you search one of them, you're only searching half of them. Then you divide that in two, you're only searching a quarter of the things and so forth. And depending on the shallow evaluations you make at each point, you're hoping that you're narrowing down the criteria uh, enough to, uh, to be accurate enough to be near the right place. Um, you know, one criteria, for example, if you have items that are, are listed with titles that start from A to Z, you hope that it's a, a, a 
either an even distribution, all letters have equal the number of things, or some sort of other distribution you understand, and then you can divide that down. So I, I think this is an important concept. I, I, I really miss being in academia, academia to some degree. I miss having these kinds of conversations. And I'm sure that um, this is more formalized somewhere. Um, this goes all the way back to chess playing programs where they, you know, the, the, the best chess playing programs couldn't evaluate all the moves. So they had to do shallow evaluations at each level, but thinking about it in terms of my own psychology, in terms of my own, my own actions, it explains a lot more. And it also makes a little bit more explicit, um, the process I'm using, the idea that maybe I need to refine the criteria I do for my shallow evaluations, but I should not be ashamed uh, or too concerned that I can't do deep evaluations for everything. Um, now, this may not fit only within the ADHD spectrum, but seeing the symptoms like multiple tabs being one of those indicators of an ADHD spectrum person or personality uh, does lead me to the shallow evaluation that this is actually apl applicable. I don't know. It's some, there's something in there that may be a bit more, and I wish I had more time to think about it, and I wish that I was actually doing this more for a living. I climb these mountains each night, gaze from the spot that I've, I've been located at, look out at the wonders of the valleys around me, but never really get a chance to do a deep evaluation about whether I'm in a local maxima. Maybe there is a better hill somewhere else to look from. Oh, well, hopefully some of this rubs off on me. It has taken me way too much time to talk about it. You can tell when I get enthusiastic. I've been wondering out loud. I'm Mark the Encaffeinated One. If you were doing a shallow evaluation about which podcast to listen to, this one might not have been shallow enough for you to consider. In any case, I'll return tomorrow, and I'm sure I'll have something far more shallow to talk about. So I'll talk to you then. <laughs>